Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, who am I most excited to see at BravoCon? You know, so many people. Like, I feel like I have friends in every city. Like, I love Melissa Gorga. I love Emily Simpson from OC and Tamra. I love Teddy, um, who's not on OC, but she's like got a cute little podcast with Tamra. Two peas in a Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. It's our pop culture and welcome to Plathville and Kardashian recap for the week. We have so much to get into. I feel like we really got to get into it because we had a hectic, hectic week. So we got to start with our girl of the week is going once again, going over 15, Bethany Frankel. If you guys didn't know, I couldn't blame you for not. Last week, Vanity Fair dropped this big bombshell article heralded by one real house, former, former Real Housewives of New York, uh, Bethany Frankel, in order to take down Bravo. Now, this has been something that she has been threatening for several months now. Um, she has been saying that she has spoken to several dozens even of um reality stars across the reality diaspora if you will not just housewives we're talking all over bravo netflix tlc the whole shebang right she's saying we're not gonna take it anymore this is a crisis we're tired of how reality has been treating us this is going to be a reality reckoning and we are going to take down nbc bravo etc. Andy Cohen, most of all. And what we got was um, Neverland. 
And no, I don't mean Peter Pan. I mean when that Real Housewives of uh, Atlanta reunion happened and Andy asked Nene what she saw when she went down to Sheree's uh, land because Chateau Sheree had not been built at that point. And Nene's answer was sticks. What did you see, Nene? Sticks. Nothing. And so Sheree goes after her. She said, well, listen, I said what I said. It was Neverland because it's never going to happen. And that's exactly what that article was. Just Neverland. What you, I mean, how to even recap it? It was basically <sighs> um, Bethany and Leah McSweeney spiraling with each other, throwing a little uh, accusations of... Um, Sonia pissing herself at some point, which is like, yeah, <laughs> duh. Um, Leah seems to want us to be, and I want to be very sensitive about this because it does have to do with sobriety, but it seems like Leah wants production and Bravo to be responsible for her sobriety when she says in the article that she had you know, like falling off the wagon prior to even joining the show. And so her storyline of saying that she had been sober for a while and was just like dipping a toe back into drinking that first season that she was on was actually her covering for her losing her sobriety. But I just feel like, how was that Bravo's responsibility? If you're not telling the truth, we could only work with the information that we're given. How are they supposed to know that you are lying to them about your sobriety and how you are no longer sober and it's not good and healthy? That's why are you suing them? That doesn't feel like you have a case to me. I would say 35% of it was just recapping things that we had already seen on the show all about Leah's tiki torches and the naked around the pool and the Hamptons and how she went on to do Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip and how she had felt bad in her second season because her grandma passed away while they were in the Hamptons and she felt like she couldn't leave even though she told them production she was going to leave and they were like absolutely and then you know how upset she was about that on the girls trip all things that we saw play out on the show so none of this is like shocking Ramona being racist not shocking old hat old hat one might say but you know what we always have to be grateful and find the silver lining in things and I think the can I get a hell yeah for the week is gonna go over to sorry I don't have your name but whoever outed Ramona in her spiral of trying to uh, save herself from her clear racism went on to uh, contact somebody at page six and tell them in response to all the allegations that were made in that Vanity Fair article about her saying the N-word and her saying, um, wondering why most black children don't have fathers and, and, and telling the black staff that they um, can't change their hairstyles because otherwise she'll, uh, you know, mistake them for each other um so she wrote to page six and said um i didn't say 
I said like something along the lines of for the record, I said the N word, not N I G. And then that page six reporter was like, Oh, I'm going to take a screenshot of this. And, uh, <laughs> you just hit my word quota for the day. Thank you very much. Ramona Singer post. But to cap it all off, I think Bethany absolutely told on herself and her motivations for all of this. When this part of the article was quoted, she said, I was part of it. I wanted to be Andy's favorite. I love that I was Andy's favorite. I love that I was able to make good television and produce it at the same time. I love that producers knew I was the best. I was in the machine. I was the machine. I created the machine. Of her new mission to remake the medium that made her, Frankel says, it's my penance. And Ebony, who was also highly featured in the article, basically talking about all the racism that Ramona did, um, presented with the idea that she might participate in Frankel's organizing the reality reckoning. Williams said, fuck Bethany Frankel. You think I'm going to let some white girl speak for me with my experience with a multi-billion dollar corporation? And we have to giggle. We just have to giggle. Bethany is so mad that she is not daddy's favorite anymore. And that's all this is. She was just going to try to burn this down because her career is a flop. And the most engagement she gets is sitting in her bathroom in a dirty robe calling all of us haters for what because she said something vaguely racist again about Meghan markle something that nobody asked her about so you know it's like all these shows that she's had flop she can't keep a relationship with fucking frederick from million dollar listing she's mad at andy she can't get her shows off the ground at, at bravo and she's just like a one season wonder yeah yeah jason you probably screw that up too <laughs> like so what does she want from us nothing I'm like, I'm giving her nothing. So let's move on. Um, Cody Brown of Sister Wives. I'm going to actually split this into two parts. I'm going to split, talk about some things now and some things in the actual Sister Wives episode for this week. But Cody Brown did an interview. He got on his Zoom. You know, Robin loves that. And did an interview with two gentlemen on a show called Mormonism Live. So I'm just going to share a couple of the highlights and we'll just move on to BravoCon news. This fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm getting a headache just talking about him. Haven't even said anything yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of the things he said is that he and Robin have become the heels of the show, like the villains of the show, I guess, and how that's not fair. He doesn't agree with it for himself and he doesn't agree with it with Robin. This look well, great. Thank you for sharing that. We all disagree. But then he always also turns, this turns him as like some gobbledygook about how the other three, Mary, Mary, Janelle, and Christine, were living in this sacred loneliness. Now, Cody's been using a lot of flowery language this season. If you guys don't watch Sister Lives, uh, terms like sacred loneliness, um, the cloak of sake of security or, or something, whatever the fuck he says. A lot of these terms, like sacred loneliness is something that came up on the show as like a <clears throat> thing that the most Mormon person out of all of them, Christine, had never heard in her life, 
like Christine is known as a Mormon princess, I guess, <laughs> or her family. And she didn't even know this term, but it's basically a way to make women feel better in these plural marriages about the fact that they don't have their husbands full time. So you kind of like suffer for the greater good. There's a sacred loneliness, like you're lonely, but there's a sacredness to that. So for those of you who don't know, there's been a big dust up over at the Brown family and there's only one wife left and that's for very good reason. She was the last wife in. She was the favorite wife. He's very much in love with her. It's very obvious and all the other wives finally have slowly opened their eyes and realized it and got the fuck out of there. Does Cody blame himself? No, 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 no. Everybody else, mostly the first wife to leave Christine and then kind of everybody else, his children, and then maybe occasionally he'll like flirt with blaming himself or taking any sort of responsibility but then we just go right back down so the first season of sister wives cody and robin his new best wife got married and they went on an 11 day 11 day honeymoon to fucking san diego (laughs) now mind you his third wife of four had just given birth to the, her sixth child. And he left for 10 days to go play kissy face at the San Diego Zoo with his new 30-year-old bride. Okay? So, let's keep that in mind. Now, Cody says that all the other wives got a, a honeymoon, so he doesn't really know why they're bitching about it. I mean, I'm I'm using my words, not his. They've all, all said that they're, all the other honeymoons were like, you know, like, Maybe we did a long weekend to uh, wherever the fuck Wyoming, probably so Cody could fit some some job in it at the same time, like kill two birds with one stone. Like, oh, uh, we went to Olive Garden two two weekends in a row. Like, that's basically what they got compared to this 11 days in San Diego. But anyway, he claims that all the ladies got a honeymoon just like Robin did. And but the difference was they were able to talk about their sacred loneliness because now once Robin came in the picture, this is also around the same time that they got the show. So they were able to like let out their little feelings to the audience and like get themselves puffed up by all of us. Right. And then he invites the hosts of um, Mormonism live to go back and watch the show, the entire show, all 18 seasons of the show. And he challenges them. Go watch the show, all the episodes, and see if Robin did anything wrong. Because I trust you two with your opinions. (laughs) Okay, so how many millions of us watch this show? You don't trust any of us, but you trust these these two little chuckleheads on Mormonism Live. Because why? Because they asked you to come on their show, and you're horny for attention. You're a narcissist. That's why. Anyway, the next thing he says is that he blames basically everybody else, as he's wont to do. He says, <clears throat> another little phrase of his, as though he's doing something. The fool blames everybody else. The wise man blames himself. And the stoic doesn't lay blame on anybody. And I just wish there was more stoicism in my family. And for people to just say, hey, this is the way things ended. Now, for those of y'all who watch the show, you know that this man will find any fucking excuse to blame Christine 
even in situations that have nothing to do with her. He blames her for the breakdown of other marriages, multiple ones, even in relationships that he doesn't even enjoy. Somehow it's Christine's fault. The other wife's leaving because Christine. My children don't talk to me because it's Christine's fault. And yet he's talking about how the fool blames everybody else. Look in the mirror, weird bitch. The fool is you. The makeup's on your face and it's giving clown. The next little bit of information is that a caller, <laughs> shout out to you, I think her name was Kelsey, asks Cody, you've said on your show that if a wife is disloyal, if a wife is disloyal, if she keeps her kids from her husband, but Robin, who has three children from a previous marriage, keeps her kids from their father. And he's actively dying of cancer right now. So why don't you blame Robin? And why do you blame everybody else? Do they even know that their dad's dying? Do they know that their biological father is dying? And so Cody's like, uh, listen, her kids have chosen. And then he cuts himself off and he tells the host, I need to pass on this question because it's about somebody else. And I'm not interested in answering that. Just not interested. Okay you know it's some bullshit the final fact that i'm going to leave you with before we move on to uh bravo con news is that cody says that he felt like he was constantly doing this little dance with all his wives like hey you know every time he like talks about um like somebody being nice or him being nice he like does this panting puppy noise like as if he's like a bitch for being nice to his wives like hey hey how do I um keep you guys happy? How do you guys keep it? But they weren't worried about keeping me happy. And I just feel like if you were a smart woman, you would. Because it would certainly work out better for you. Ew. Ew, David. Ew, Cody. Ew. I have several more. But again, like I said, we'll talk about those in the intro for Wednesday's episode. He's so gross. Ew. With that, you guys obviously know that BravoCon, even as I record right now, is in full swing. So don't blame me if I don't get all the tea to you. But I'm sharing things that are important to me and things that caught my attention. So with that being said, for those of you who weren't able to keep up with all the news, the drama, the action... And there was a lot of it that went down in Vegas this weekend. Here's a little breakdown from me to you. Obviously, our number one bitch. You know that it's a time. Vanderpump Rules is coming back in January. They played a preview of it where Sandoval is open mouth screaming at one point. <laughs> Ariana is blaming him for killing her dog. <gasps> what's going on here there's action there's drama i'm so excited they were like really good with the previews this uh bravo con summer house house martha's vineyard oh oh it's coming back they showed just like a not a trailer it was just like a like a clip of what's to come, a little teaser of what's to come, and Preston, my king, is going in, and he just, oh, on Bria, you guys, if you did not watch season one of, I'm gonna tell you, Summer House, Martha's Vineyard, and also 
I gotta say, Southern Charm, nope, Southern Hospitality is coming back. The Southern Charm re, not reboot, what do you call it? Like a spinoff. The like Vanderpump Rules Ian spinoff of Southern Charm, Southern Hospitality. It's like a really quick watch if you just want to watch it. Like it's quick, it's inconsequential, it is high drama, it is like a bunch of 20-somethings who... You know, people compare it to Vanderpump Rules, but I think it's a little different because the Vanderpump kids never gave a fuck about their job. Like, they were all mactors hoping that this would just be, like, something to pay the bills before, you know, like Laura Lee, they got a Jennifer Aniston movie. These people down at Southern Hospitality act like they're going to die if they don't hit their mark with bottle service that night and the stakes are so high everybody's always screaming never need to and it's just a lot there's a lot going on there's like kind of some weird racial shit going on there's definitely some hierarchical shit going on there's a lot of djs there's a woman named lily grace she wears glitter a lot and and there's just like a lot happening so yeah like i said season two uh is coming back in december and i would check it out i'd hop on the train summer house mars vineyard i did not get the date on when that's coming back but i'm excited last season they aired it around the same time as like vanderpump and og summer house so i'm assuming it's probably going to be airing in february maybe even early march The most shocking thing for me, Katie Maloney, Schwartz Maloney, revealed that she has a stylist. What? Y'all go look at these looks for for BravoCon and tell me, that looked like more than two pairs of eyes got on that? And that this person is tasked? I would like to know... Who else is on your client list, ma'am? I have questions. My first question being, is it, is it correct? Anyway, I, shocking. Shocking. Um, the next thing, Carl came out for the first time and really kind of spoke his mind and his side of the thing of the breakup with Lindsay because Lindsay, Lindsay, PR maven, went down to the Us Weekly like the day before BravoCon to talk about how like Carl excuse me, fucked her whole world up, devastated her. She did not see this coming. She thinks it's wildly unfair that he called producer to set all of this up and like basically fuck him. But she's like, you know, bouncing back from a broken heart. So Carl in his white pants went down to BravoCon and said, hey, I don't think this chick was blindsided. I think if she really looks back, we were having issues all summer, and that was very abundantly clear. So I'm not really sure why she's saying that she was blindsided. The thing that I can't quite wrap my head around is that he said that he was not really responsible for what they film or the fact that they film, um, and so he did not break up with her on camera purposefully. I've been hearing a couple of different stories about this. Now, <clears throat> one I heard that he... The initial story was that, like, they had finished filming Summer House the weekend before. He calls, excuse me, he calls, like, Tuesday or Wednesday. 
tells production to come to their $13,000 a month apartment and breaks up with her. Now that story I've heard evolve or devolve, depending on how you feel about it, to um, Kyle saying on Watch What Happens Live that this was not like a planned breakup on camera, that this was more of a conversation that was happening about the state of he and Lindsay's relationship that was like, oh, he got himself in a little... Like, it just escalated to him being like, I don't think we should be together in the conversation. So now he's saying that, like, he's not even in charge of what is filmed. Like, well, yeah, I, I think to some degree you might be. And also, we need to know, were you guys done filming or not? Because that's going to answer all the questions for me. And I really don't want to Lindsay bash too badly, but I just feel like there might be a time, and I hope that's in the near future, where, like, she has every right to be pissed off. Like, she could have that, girl. I'm not going to take that away from you. But I also think she's maybe a little too angry right now to really, like, I I'm hoping there's a time where she can, like, come down and really take stock of everything and be like, okay, maybe looking back at things, I did see some signs. And this wasn't just, like, a sudden 180 in the last two weeks of the summer, like she's saying. Like, I, I think she's going to maybe have some perspective and I hope she does um I have to tell you guys if you want to go back and look at BravoCon footage you're not quite gonna get it with this person but I will say the person that I've enjoyed watching BravoCon footage of on their main grid on Instagram the most has been whew, the LaDame herself Karen Huger it's just so auntie so delightfully auntie karen i just i like i really love it from the second she opens the door of her house in great falls virginia we got somebody recording her kissing ray goodbye because he like you know was on his jitterbug and hopping into a car almost every video you can see uh matthew her intern assistant best friend whoever that man is at, at, usually at the end of the videos you could see Matthew so that's like a little where's Waldo the video ends right when Matthew <laughs> comes on screen um there's one video one post where it's all just like a video collage of, of live videos that she took with several of the Bravo celebrities, and I really love that like it's just like your auntie posting on Facebook except your aunt is Karen Huger and she's like out there being a celebrity I it's truly delightful one of the videos features like like a 10 or 15 second clip of her and Sonia Morgan just sitting next to each other talking, but you can't hear them talking. It's because I'm Every Woman is playing as background music. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, back to actually Vanderpump drama. There might be some shit going down with Sheener and Ariana, and I hate to see it. I hate to see a diva down. And the diva I'm referring to is Sheena. Certainly not Ariana. Um, so, you know, Sheena loves to just be a part. Sheena loves to be a part. And I love Sheena Jay. Okay, I do. But I just think her, in her quest to be America's sweetheart, she, she often stumbles. She often stumbles. And so what happened, what had happened was there was a panel with James Lawler, and Ariana. I don't know why I keep calling their names like that. Um, 
fun. I think it's because LVP did this this panel with them, and she kept calling them that. But also, Lisa, I'm so sorry. Like, I know that this show is literally called Vanderpump Rules, but you and this page boy hat are not the stars of the show. And she keeps talking, like, she kept taking the mic to talk about, this is a really hard season for everybody, but especially for me, darling, because I was just caught in the middle, and I just, I love everybody. It was so difficult, and you know, it was so nice to see Ariana be so strong, but it's especially difficult for me. <laughs> Lisa, somebody cut this woman's mic, please. This is not, we don't watch the show for you, and I'm so sorry about that. We don't. And that's fine. Just take the money and the Emmy nomination, girl. Just take it. Anyway, James Lala and Ariana did a panel with a bunch of other people. And at some point, James accuses Lala of hanging out with Sandoval the night before. In a suite. Because he saw Logan in an Instagram video. And it figured, because they're besties and they came together, that she was in the suite. Lala says, I would never be in a suite with Sandoval. That wasn't me. You didn't see me in that video. You didn't catch me. You're never going to catch me with this boy. So what happened was they were like, oh, but you know who was in that suite kicking it with Sandoval? Sheena and Brock. And, um, you know, it seemed like Ariana found out about that maybe in real time or at least like very um, recently before going on that panel. Didn't seem thrilled. Did not seem thrilled. And then they asked Sheena about it. Brock seems to still want to be friends with Sandoval. And so I think he might be the one who's like kind of telling on her. So she might want to tell her husband to keep it a little cute. Cause how is Brock going to keep talking about how this guy is great? And he's still, I, I still like him, mate. And you want to be like, Oh, well I wasn't just in that suite with a bunch of other people, which is true. Like, yeah, it's a convention. There's probably people that you don't see. You're kicking it. You're hanging out, whatever, but it's not a good look. And I feel like this is probably not the first time that Sheena's hung out with Sandoval since all the shit went down. And and I feel bad because, you know, a lot of people could say that Sheena is like kind of fake and like just wants to be friends with everybody. And so she ends up being a friend to nobody. Um, but I also feel like she and Ariana's friendship, like really, truly started pre-show offline. And that would really be sad to see, like, if their relationship is going to end over this idiot in a kilt. I really, really hope not. The best news of all, Gertie from Real Housewives of Miami has revealed that she is cancer-free. She's going to be uh, ringing the radiation bell. She did a little panel with uh, with Danny, with all her Miami girls, and I'm just, like, so happy for her. I, like, I feel relieved. I'm like, thank God, this is such a weight off of my shoulders. Shout out to Gertie. Fuck cancer, guys. Um, oh, we got to get into the fashions real quick. Paige. Paige. And here's the thing. I saw a clip in which Paige was talking about I, multiple clips. Now that I think about it, multiple clips and multiple interviews in which Paige DeSorbo said that she had been planning her BravoCon looks for like two months and she had been nagging Craig about getting clothes for it and how like she was coming prepared because this was also her birthday weekend and she wanted to show up and show out, right? Why did you show up on that uh, that step and repeat with the panty on, girl? A panty? In your damn panties. A white button down and a pink sequin panty. She wants to be Carrie Bradshaw so bad. And I just can't do it. And here's the other thing that pissed me off is that Aaron, 
from New York came in a very similar outfit, but the execution was so much better because Paige looks like she took a, well, you know, Paige is like an Amazon Live girl and she's like a real ready to wear girl. And so, you know, I think, you know, a lot of these clothes don't really get tailored things of that nature. So, I, you know, a lot of her looks are just like straight out the pack and they look, they look that way, you know, but then Erin actually put some, some, some muscle and some styling into her. So she was wearing more of like a black, like a super hot pant, which looked like super sexy. And then she also tucked in the shirt in a way, and it was like slim cut the button down in a way that like accentuated her waist and it gave her body and it gave her length. Whereas Paige, I think is like not tall and she does this thing that Kim Kardashian does is that she thinks because she's like thin that she can be Bella Hadid and just wear whatever the fuck but you'll never be Bella Hadid and that's for the both of you that's for Kim and Paige okay and I don't even really want Bella Hadid to be Bella Hadid because she's looking crazy out here sometimes like sometimes she dresses like me in sixth grade going to the I, I don't even know where like my mom said we could go to roosters real quick and i'm like i'm just hopping in the car i'm not getting out so i'm just gonna put on these like basketball shorts and an old uh gym shirt it was like wild wild but anyway where was i going with that sometimes i just rant about fashion and i don't know what happened she wanted to be carrie bradshaw so bad and that upset me yeah and then it also upset me that aaron just looked so much better it was not even like Paige looked like clown but then she's like double clown because like somebody executed the exact same type of look way better than her. And that's sad, baby. That's sad. I don't, I don't want to talk about Paige and her fashion career. We'll move on. <laughs> My final bit of information is how the horniness was off the charts and it was a specific Captain Jason from Below Deck. Everybody every bitch in that conference was trying to go down below with him like the running of the fucking bulls if the bulls were like a bunch of housewives like luann and dorinda and like lala which i think is pretty comparable actually so i say all that to say BravoCon seems like a great time and i'm gonna start ask believing receiving now that um i get to host a panel next year or something of that nature even just do like a red carpet thing I really, like, really do think that red carpet interviews might be my thing, like, in the future. So, let's, let's ask, let's light a candle for that, right? Ask, believe, receive. All right, let's get into the recaps of Welcome to Plathville wow. and Kardashian. What have you girls been up to? Well, I guess what's new with me, um, I'm dating someone. How's that going? Good. I really, I mean, I really like him. It went from my mom telling me, you know, like, maybe one day, a few years down the road, I might date someone, but I'm not ready for anything right now. And then next thing I know, she's been dating someone for a while. And I never really got a warning. I don't know. It's like she, she wants me to just, in one day, just hop on board, accept everything, move on. Like, I don't, don't think I can do that. That's too much to process.
Okay, actually, before we get into Plattsville, shout out to y'all who were like, this is Kara's exact brand and alerted me to the fact that Micah Plath was a bartender on Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> Incredible stuff. I was shocked at two things just right off the bat. One, that Andy had such a knowledge of the show Welcome to Plathville because it just seems like, how would he have the time, you know? But two, I don't know how closely he was watching because he kept saying to Micah that he views his childhood as a idyllic, like off the grid, running around the farm with your shoes off and how like he wished that he could give his kids that which is like kind of fair but also I feel like rich people who live in big cities love to be like I just want to be on a farm somewhere <laughs> and I want to know why that is I, I really do but um shocking shocking that he said that um a couple highlights from the show Micah was asked if the rumors were true that Ethan cheated on Olivia, and he said it's most likely the other way around. He also did not seem super into Airplane Ken, Kim's boyfriend, and says, like, you know, kind of weird to still, weird still to see your mom date. So, um, not a ton of tea, but it was still shocking. It's like seeing unlikely animal friends, you know, like rarely do you see somebody from tlc on bravo it's like watching a like a pig with a kitten you know it was weird anyway let's get on to the uh the actual episode where it starts with ethan and olivia going ice fishing but ethan's starting to get real poetic like the Ernest hemingway is really jumping out with ethan about his relationship with olivia saying that there have been simmering differences in the deep waters of he and Olivia's relationship <laughs> then he says like yeah these dates are cool like he likes hanging out with Olivia but it doesn't fix their actual issues and how he hasn't lost sight of the reason why he loves Liz Olivia like she loves her personality the way that she carries herself the fact that they were on the same page about wanting to wait to have kids and also the kind of family values that they wanted to pass on to their kids and he still loves that about her, but they could go on a hundred great dates, but it's not going to resolve their differences now, especially with raising kids. So it's interesting to me that, do you feel like Ethan has kind of been moving the goalposts or he has found a way to get himself out of this relationship? Because there's no possible way that Ethan has been thinking like, we should genuinely start having children right now. I think he knows definitely that Olivia's not trying to have kids anytime soon and so if he just is like I want to have kids and we're not on the same page about that he can avoid all the other closet full of skeletons of issues that they have and just be like well this part's not my fault you know that's her because you know for sure he believes that he has the better family values than Olivia does at this point so there's no blame on him you know no egg on his face about this. So then Olivia asks Ethan on this fishing date, are we still doing our plan? Are we still planning on going down to Georgia to get your car and do a road trip back up to Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Couldn't even look at her. And that's where I had to be like, Olivia, 
even I know that this man is lying right to your face right now. He can't even look at you. So he tells us in a confessional that because of the family issues, he really thinks that he should go by himself because in the past, when he and Olivia would approach the family as a couple, it would come off as pretty confrontational and he doesn't really see that changing anytime soon or being any different. He also wants to prove to his family that he's not Olivia's puppet and it might seem that way if they go down to Georgia together. Puppet or or your wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? Also, he's really like going to piss Olivia off because she's saying that she wants to see the little girls, which it's like this is a perfect example of why Ethan and Olivia should not be together. Olivia, you know damn well that the older, like half of that family is not talking to you, save for the little girls who we can only assume don't really know what's going on. Well, they might though. <laughs> you're just kind of hoping that they don't, right? Um, so you're like, well, maybe we could try to just see the little girls. I know the older adult kids don't want to see me, but maybe we could try to see the little girls. But it's like, okay, but you also know that Kim and Barry aren't fucking with you either. And then they're probably not going to be like bending over backwards to make sure that Amber, Cassia, and Mercy go to kick it with you, girl. And like play, oh, absentee aunt. You know, like that's a little bit ridiculous of a request from Olivia. But it's also, as her partner, Ethan should not be lying to her face, getting her hopes up and being like, yeah, that's the plan, dear knowing damn well that that's not going to happen. He has no intention of that happening. He's lying to her and that's it. And he's eventually going to have to tell her, but he's not going to tell her right now. And that's also like, I got to put a point on Lydia's side because that's equally annoying. I find it extremely immature to be the type of person to, in an effort to say like, well, I don't want that person to be mad at me or I don't want to fight right now. So I'm just going to lie to your face Knowing damn well, Ethan, that you do this all the time and it never pans out well for you. <laughs> Every single time Olivia ends up finding out at the 11th hour and like, what were you going to do, Ethan? Just run out, <laughs> run out of the apartment and be like, oh, I'm actually going on a trip with Micah. Bye. W what were you going to do? <laughs> oh, let me go fill up the car uh, with gas. You keep packing, babe. Oh, oops, sorry, I ended up, and then your phone goes dead, and then suddenly you're in, you're in Georgia. You know? <laughs> this is the shit he does, and he's like, well, I don't understand why everybody's mad. I just, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to be mad. Is not an excuse to not be honest with somebody. It's not. Because it's only going to make it worse at the end. And then you think that you made a point by being like, see, you did get mad. And it's like, no, I'm more mad because you lied to me with your dumb ass. Anyway. We'll talk more about that later. Let's move on to Kim taking Lydia and Mariah out to a juice bar so that she can break the news that she is officially and has been fucking airplane Ken. Kim says in a confessional that she and Lydia aren't as close as they used to be. And she's pretty sure that part of that is because she left Barry. I'm sure another part of that is because of the DUI, but I guess we're not talking about that. And frankly, she's scared of Lydia. She's scared to tell her about Ken because she knows that it's not going to help their already bad relationship. So they're just kicking it, having some green juice and giggling like girls do until Mariah's like, well, what's up with everybody? We all good? 
And Kim's like, well, I guess what's new with me is I'm dating somebody. And Mariah and Lydia look like they smelled shit. Like, well, Mariah looks like she smelled shit. Lydia looks like she smelled shit, but like in a holy way. Like she was trying to hide it, but she couldn't fake the funk. So finally, after what felt like hours of them just looking at her like that, Mariah goes, well, how's that going? So then Lydia can't even look at her. Can't even look at Kim at this point. But she does tell us in a confessional that initially her mom was saying, oh, maybe a few years down the road I might consider dating, but I'm not ready now. But the next thing she knows, she's been seeing somebody for a while. And she never really got a warning about that. And it's kind of how, like, Kim now just wants to accept everything and just move on in one day. But she doesn't think she can do that. It's a lot to process. A little too much. (laughs) Mariah tries. She tries. And she's like, listen, I do feel like this is very soon. And it's a lot. Personally, I think it would be good if you took more time to date. But, listen. It could be hard to be honest for me about how I feel. But I'm learning to. And it's important. And I do struggle with the fact that you're dating with somebody. Because... That's unfamiliar to me, and I'm trying to convince myself it's okay, and it doesn't matter, but I don't support that. But I do support you. And Lydia basically says the same. Kim says in a confessional that it's delicate, because she knows they don't want to hurt her feelings, but they also want to express their feelings. So then Lydia says, I don't know if you can step out of 24 years of marriage and then so soon jump into any other relationship like I just don't see how mentally physically emotionally and spiritually that's possible unless there's like a huge transformation but you know I I've never been in that kind of relationship so I wouldn't really know (laughs) but you said all that so you feel it hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. You feel it, Lydia. Let, let the hate out your heart, Lydia. Let it out. <laughs> so then Lydia says, I love my mom and I do want to support her, but some things I just can't. And it's more than I can process right now. <clears throat> so then Kim Here's the craziest thing. Kim doesn't give a fuck. Kim was almost stopping herself from laughing, talking about Lydia. She says to us, I appreciate Lydia's input 
and she has a valid reason to feel that way, but I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna change who I date or don't date any more than she would do that for me. <laughs> and she's really trying not to laugh at that time. So then Lydia says that she just wants to be able to make sure, or actually Mariah tells us to uh, Kim, she just wants to make sure that the little girls are able to express themselves and not look back and be like, basically, this is the moment where things went downhill with me and my mom. So Kim's like, yeah, no, I totally hear you. She tells them that she was very similar to Barry in the sense of like not talking about emotions when they were growing up and the hard stuff, but she's kind of learning to step out of that. And now things are better. She's like, she's learning, if I'm honest, things are better when I am. After that, we head over to LA where Micah has his friends, not the ones from Central Casting that we saw at the bar earlier this season, but the ones from last season, right? They have, he has them over for what he says is like a plath holiday special meal. I had to look it up. It's called chicken paprikash or maybe paprika. It's Hungarian. So tell me how to pronounce it. It looked good. It's like chicken thighs and it's supposed to be diced up browned chicken. And then you're supposed to put it like in a broth and serve it on egg noodles or something like that. There's sweet paprika involved. I was like, I might save this actually. It sounds pretty good. Um, but my thing is, like I said, I looked up the recipe and it said you're supposed to cut the chicken and then uh, cook it. And it appeared like... Um, Micah just put raw chicken wings in some broth with, I don't know what else was in there. And so that was concerning to me. Like, at what point does production step in when it comes to cross-contamination? Are there rules about that? I'd love to know. Anyway, this is, like, Micah's whole thing about uh, he doesn't know if he's going to leave LA or not and I think he said on Watch What Happens Live that he did oh my god I just remembered one thing that he said on Watch What Happens Live that I don't think people caught so the guests were Josh Gad and Andrew Rannells Broadway babies right if you don't know what Josh Gad looks like just look him up so Josh jokingly turns to Micah and asks him if they often get mistaken for one another and Micah our sweet summer child like, people were laughing, because, like, obviously Josh is making the joke, but he, Micah says kind of, like, under his breath. He says, oh, um, I wasn't expecting that. I think maybe I would look a little bit closer to Andrew. <laughs> Micah. Micah. <laughs> oh, honey. The guys not from Central Casting tell Micah that like, just hang out with us more. You forgot about this. We don't see each other. We're clearly just hanging out to film. We'll make a home for you if you feel like you're not at home here. Like, just keep hanging out with us. And then they try to figure out, two of them try to figure out whether their friend Capiche is um, vegetarian or pescatarian. And also what those mean. And where does vegan fall into all of that? And so Micah tries to explain it in a confessional and he says, I'm pretty sure pescatarian means that you can have fish. Vegetarian means you just eat vegetables. And I have no idea what vegan means. Can you eat chicken? I've never been one of those. One of those. <laughs> Vegans? Yes. Okay. Uh, then we find out that Olivia went to St. Lucia to get away from the snow for a little quick vacation. So Micah uses his free time 
to call Micah back. I said Micah twice. Ethan uses his free time to call Micah back and invite him to go on this road trip with him. Why don't you just fly out to Georgia? We'll kick it up to Minnesota in the car that I'm going to bring up, right? This was his plan all along. Ethan tells us that it's because he knows that his siblings have made it very obvious that they want a relationship with him, but not Olivia. He's already made up his mind to go down there without her. So he, Micah, is like, okay, yeah, like, I'll go down with you. But also, this is the first time you've spoken in months, and I have called you over and over again, and you don't answer, and this is the first time. So just a quick question. Are you mad at me? And Ethan's like, no, I'm just like that at the phone. Are you mad at me? And then he's like, well, actually, we do have some things that we could talk about, but I'm definitely not mad at you, right? So Micah says in a confessional, I'm a little suspicious of this, and I am too. Like, I I also feel like, in addition to Ethan being dishonest to Olivia, I also feel like, you know, and knowing that this is going to piss her off, I also feel like this is like him intentionally creating discord between he and Olivia for the purpose of being friends and friendly again with his family which is something that he needs to figure out how you can do both because you can't just throw one person under the bus for the sake of the other that's not sustainable then Ethan asked Micah if he would be willing to speak to Olivia once they get back to Minnesota Micah says I'll be down to say hi but like we've tried to hash things out before it hasn't worked I don't think it's going to, so no need to try again. And then he says in a confessional that he does have happy memories of hanging out with both Ethan and Olivia, but he's just not willing to repair the relationship right now because there's too much damage done. So he asks Ethan, is that cool with you? And Ethan's like, well, we'll talk about it more in person. But then Ethan says in a confessional that he thinks it's the wrong idea to only want to do things with your blood family because that only makes it worse. But I just feel like he only ever holds, tries to hold Olivia accountable for this shit and not his family. And in that way, I think that's also not fair to her. Then we have to watch Mariah. Here's what I, here's my theory on Mariah this season. I feel like she's been spiraling a little bit. I feel like she's been, um, like in terms of like just getting wrapped up in drama and particularly with when it, when it, when it comes to Ethan and i believe that she's probably been going down the line of talking to different siblings about what she should do and whether or not she should unblock Ethan now it's getting to that point where people get tired of having the same conversation with her as to whether or not she should just do it because they're all saying yes but she keeps talking <laughs> and so now she has to do a scene where with Isaac baby girl you know the 17 year old boy does not want to sit there and chat with you in the back of his pickup about whether or not you should unblock his brother especially when you say in the scene that you very much contributed to the discord in this relationship so <laughs> seems like you have a lot of ownership that you want to take but also be like I'm the victim and I get where she's coming from. She's got a lot of like deep seated issues and she really needs to go on a healing journey herself. And I get that. But also it just seems like once we got to be honest with ourselves, like once you're perpetually talking about somebody 
who you're not talking to and you're like going over whether or not you should talk to them and you're asking multiple people and you're having multiple conversations of it over the course of months you should probably just unblock them because it just seems like you want to do it and i'm going to tell you it's not going to be usually a great idea but just do it because you want to so just do it you know <laughs> so she does finally even because isaac's giving her nothing he she's like what do you think and he's like i don't know I don't know, but then he tells us in a confessional, I support everybody in this family, but of course I think she should unblock him and just put the BS aside. Just be normal. <laughs> right? And he also tells her, regardless of how Ethan treated you or how you feel he thinks of you, don't let your value decrease based on somebody's inability to see your worth, which was actually very sage advice for a 15, 17 year old. 17 year old boy so um good for him so she unboxed him and sends him a text message hey ethan i hope you're doing well just wanted to reach out to you to let you know that i love you and i forgive you and i'm here if you want to talk and then right before she's about to leave ethan text messages her back and says okay thanks what are you forgiving me for <laughs> so we, we kind of leave on a cliffhanger on that one so the episode ends with us back in minnesota olivia's very carefully writing something into a notebook and being very sure that we all know that she is ignoring Ethan right now. She tells us in a confessional that last night he told her that she got booted from that road trip and got tooted for Micah instead. And basically while she was out of town, Ethan told a whole ass lie because he called her and said, oh, I had a conversation with Micah. But he told her that they made no plans about this road trip when they absolutely had. Because the producer's like, oh, so he made the plans afterwards? No, no, no. He lied to me. So Olivia, she's got a chip in her pocket to play for old Blondie. And tells him, okay, so how long are you to be gone? A few days? Okay, cool. Um, so, and you're going to drop the car off at your grandpa's house? Right. So, where are you going to drop Micah off? And Ethan's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, he can't be here. And so Ethan's face gets all red and he goes, wait, so you're saying he can't come here at all? And Olivia goes, no, my home's been open to your family since we've been married and I want to feel safe in my home. And Ethan goes, he's not a damn terrorist. <laughs> so then... <laughs> Olivia says that the last time she was in Cairo, she actually ran into Micah and Micah looked right past her like he had never met her before. So she was like, all right, bet. And that's it. I was gonna, willing to keep it cute with you, but now you're not going to be sleeping on my couch, sucking up my Wi-Fi, drinking up my juicy juice, having a gay old time and you made me feel unsafe. No, ma'am. Clogging up my bathroom with your blonde hairs and you're doing bathroom selfies with your shirt off, trying to flex. No, not happening. So he and Ethan and Olivia go back and forth a little bit, and she makes a very good point, I feel like. So she tells him, when it comes to your family, you guys don't communicate. And I feel like I got whiplash because he's like, well, Olivia, why don't you get over it? I thought we could move past this right and like we could start reconciling with my family and she says but when we moved here 
not three months ago, we were on the same page about not speaking to them. Do I think that's a fair thing to, like, stick to forever? No, but I also think, like, a few months is not so far that Ethan should fairly be like, God, Olivia, you really need to get over this. You know, like, I thought we were, I, I thought you would get past this by now. Especially when you guys were on the same team. Like, and, and then she makes a point, like, y'all don't communicate. And then you guys go from, like, hating each other to loving each other with no communication. And I feel like, what's going on here? Ethan says in a confessional that he understands safety in a relationship in, like, the sense of, your partner not beating you in the head of, with a wooden spoon if they hear something that they don't like. But he doesn't understand the concept of a safe place, a safe space, like your apartment being a safe space. So then he says, you know, lately I've been thinking about when me and Olivia have kids and then it just doesn't make sense for the kids to not have a relationship with my family because of something that went down. So I think it makes sense to start like trying to heal that stuff now and go through it, which is like another fair point. But Ethan, you're starting off with a lie. You're starting off with ditching your wife on a cross country trip that you promised her to bring in your brother who you know doesn't like her. You want to have him spend the night and like hang out at the house and you're acting like she's a bitch because you just lied to her, took her off the roster for a, a trip. And then wanted to bring somebody to her house that doesn't like her. And you know that because you asked him if he would speak to her. And he was like, I don't really want to, bro. Is that okay? And you told him, yeah. But it's not okay for her. You, you see what I mean? <laughs> Thank God they broke up. Let's just get... <laughs> Thank fuck. So basically, Ethan tries to smooth things over very poorly by telling Olivia that when he's gone, he'll call her. Is that okay? She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But she says to us, what he's going to do is call me and he'll be on the phone for 15 seconds to be able to check the box of I called my wife. That's all that's going to happen. I already know this. So whew, it looks like things are just going to get worse and worse, just tumbling down and further and further. And I can't wait to see it. All right, let's move on to Kardashians. Which one of you is more like your mom? Cam. In terms of being a mom. Cammy, for sure. I mean, she gets worked up. Like when she gets frazzled, where she's just like, yeah, get over here, Kimberly. Clenched, yeah. You know? Get over here now. Get yeah. over here now. Yeah. You know, and then you'd be like, ah, okay. You know, get off my arm. You know, and I can see... I don't, I don't grab the arm, but boy, do I want to, for sure. All right, let's finish this up with Kardashians, shall we? I felt like this was an interesting episode, but I think you had to be like a bit of a, a deep diver, a Kardashian scholarship to see it. So I'll walk you through it if you were just like half watching it while doing your laundry, as you should be doing. I do not blame you for doing that. So we start off the episode... Everybody is in Palm Springs for Easter weekend, including Courtney. A producer asks Kim and Courtney, because they're sitting side by side in an interview chair, how it is that they got to a good place. And they tell very different stories. Courtney says, knowing that the goal was not about who's right or wrong and just like moving past it and getting to a better place. 
And once we got through the edit, we were fine. Just to speak. Um, I didn't want to keep belaboring the issue because my ass got roasted on the internet about it. So I just decided to keep it pushing because I was tired of looking goofy. And, you know, once we saw the show and it aired and, you know, the dust had settled, I decided to get over it. Kim says that there really was no deep talk that they had. They just kind of moved on and swept it under the rug. And that's really, like, how that family operates. And then she and Courtney just give each other this, like, fake-ass Duggar side hug. It was... It was interesting. <laughs> After that... So, just so you know, they're not in a better place. And um, this will come up later. Give it about a season and a half. This is going to come circle in the corner once again. And I can't wait. Chris draws up a storyline for herself because, you know, she can't film with uh, what's-his-face food god anymore. So she's like, I'll do the next best thing and just try to take the grandkids to a horse center and see some goats or whatever by herself. This is going to be Lovey's journey with the grandkids. Chloe says, I know my mom can technically raise kids since she raised six of us. Like she pushed us all out, but I'm just really nervous about it. For some reason, she's got this control thing with, with Chris and parenting, right? So then Courtney, cause like I said, they're all in Palm Springs asks chloe about the empty lot by her house and what her plans are with it so chloe says well i'm thinking about maybe selling it to you know get out of a couple things now normally this would be like uh, some sort of debt that you got from gambling no it's worse turns out when she and tristan were together now she wouldn't give us a timeline as to whether or not that was because she'd probably play herself and you know admit some truths here but at some point when she and Tristan were together, we don't have to get into when, they bought two lots in Palm Springs. And Chloe is just hoping that, like, she can hold off, wait it out long enough, and eventually Tristan will give her the other half and she'll buy it out or whatever. Now what Chloe, why she thinks that it would be possible that she's going to wait it out with Tristan and somehow manipulate him more than he has her is beyond me. But that's her problem. That's that's her issue. So then, everybody's just sitting around the table, and Kim announces that she's going to be doing American Horror Story. And she got that, the good old-fashioned style, by walking into Chris's house, where she was hosting a dinner with Ryan Murphy and his husband. And Ryan was like, oh, hey, girl, I want you to do a role on one of my shows. So she wrote a part. He wrote a part for her. So just hard work dedication <laughs> sweat equity baby so then kim says to her sisters you know he he does that show american horror story that's what i'm gonna be on he did the oj show which i thought was fascinating do you guys remember that series and courtney goes yeah the one where ross played dad <laughs> yes the one where ross played dad courtney Kim says that it's really fun to try something new and she gives us more information as to where she is with her law degree. She says she's got like two classes that she's doing now. She's got three or four left. She figures that's going to take about 10 more months before she has to then prepare for the actual bar. So she did the baby bar to even like qualify to study for the real bar because she's not taking classic 
she's not going through law school in the traditional way. There's like a California law that she can go around it this way. So that's where she's on. So she's on like phase two out of three of this track. I thought she was going to just hope that we all forgot about that. And I didn't. So I'm glad she's actually continuing on this. So after Kim talks about all the things that she does and how she's been challenging herself to try something new every year and how much work she's doing, Courtney just goes, well, I'm ready for a nap. Nobody even pays attention to her. After that, Kim and Courtney actually have an interesting conversation in which Kim goes to Courtney, of all people, about parenting advice. So she's telling Courtney that she had a hard week with the kids and says, like, a bunch of things happened. They were driving to school. North had a shit fit. It was raining. They were on a street that, like, you can't really do anything on. It's just, like, one long line. Chicago has to pee. But, again, it's raining, so she can't, like, pop a squat down on the side of the road. She does. Kim doesn't have a cup. So she's crying and trying to keep Chicago from seeing that she's crying. And then North also got mad at Kim because... Saint just got back from that trip to Europe with all his friends playing soccer, right? And Courtney tells her, maybe don't make the events so big with your kids. Just do little stuff. Go on a walk with them. And then she explains how a conversation works. She goes, you know, say, um, who is he? Rain. Rain and I will just sit on the couch and look at each other and just have a talk. You know, like we're just really focused. <laughs> A conversation, Courtney. <laughs> but anyway, Kim says that that's good advice. And Courtney says in a confessional that with her kids, a more gentle and loving approach works best. And Kim goes, yeah, I feel that way. But there's also like a little bit of like a frazzled, tough love with me. Like, what the fuck is going on? What what the fuck over here? Like energy, too. And then they also talk about their kids' relationships to their dads. Because apparently... Kanye lives in an apartment, no help, no staff, nannies. She's making ramen noodles by herself, like the whole, no security, anything. And she loves it. And is like, why don't we have an apartment? Like genuinely upset about why they don't live in an apartment. And Courtney says that it's basically the same thing with her kids over at Scott's house. How they're like, this house is too big. There's too much going on here. We like it over at dad's house. And I kind of feel like the kids are saying the same things but also different you know what I mean like Courtney tells Kim that she feels like the kids tend to favor the parent who is not the you know the main parent right and I do agree with that I do think that tends to happen um but I also feel like both of these kids the west north and you know Mason Penelope and them are like they both want are craving more attention from their parents but I think like it's just different like I don't know how to explain it like to me I think North just likes that like one-on-one like I think really they like that one-on-one attention but I think Courtney's making it like oh it's just they just think it's like fun Uncle Scott and I think it's maybe because Scott gives them more individualized attention probably isn't like shoving his tongue down somebody's throat at the dinner table i would just guess that would be my guess but i don't know i don't know so then a producer asks kim and courtney which one of them is more like their mom in terms of being a parent and they're like oh definitely kim (laughs) kim's like me for sure and then she gets worked up and does a whole (laughs) 
it was like they both went in went back to like 1987 and chris is like two two martinis in from the ivy she just had lunch with faye resnick and she's like taking the kids to tennis practice she's got little kitten heels on and a blowout and like you, you're picturing it right and like she's like trying to wrangle like rob's just a baby you know god knows what chloe's doing she's probably running around the court and and here's the thing it's like they're they're back at tennis practice with chris their mother so <laughs> kim does like a perfect impression <laughs> where she gets worked up and her teeth get clenched and she'll be like yeah my mom will be like get over here kimberly like like she was really getting into it and she <laughs> She gets really funny because she grabs Courtney's arm like Chris used to do back when they were kids. She'd be like, ow, get off me. Okay, my arm, mom. <laughs> like, ow, don't grab my arm. And she's like, and I, I'm not an arm grabber, but I really want to. I sure do want to. <laughs> and then Courtney just like goes catatonic. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something happened in her eyes in that moment. It was weird. And then Courtney says that she used to have a lot of, like, she used to see a lot of Chris and herself and her parenting. And she says, you know, until I did the work. And then something very interesting happens. Because, again, they're all in Palm Springs. And they've now colonized Palm Springs in the same way that they have with Calabasas and Hidden Hills. Like, they're all, they all got houses, like, right next to each other. So Chloe FaceTimes Courtney and is like, yo, we're on the golf cart. We're going to swing and pick up Penelope. And so Courtney's yelling over at Penelope somewhere in the house, like, hey, Auntie Coco's going to come pick you up. Uh, Tristan's there. She's with, he's with her. Is that okay? And Penelope just yells like, yeah, I'm fine. So Courtney tells us in the cameras, by the way, she's got this wild couch, which I'm actually kind of into, but it's her outfit is also confusing me because it's just like a camo long sleeve shirt, like an oversized shirt and some, some tan riding boots, not a pant to be found. And that's fine. The couch though, it's like one of those couches that you just like sink into and it looks like a, it's just like wavy. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a big ass square and it's just got like grooves in it. So you can just really lay at any point in the couch. It's like probably... A $50,000 couch. Let me let me actually look this up and see what it's called. Okay, I found it. It's called, um, it's a Paulin, 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 P-A-U-L-I-N. Um, it's the Dune Sofa. It's four modules that you can buy. They each are priced at between $5,400 to $8,200. And you can, like, put all four pieces together. So that could be, you know, that, that's a pretty penny. Not 50 Cheaper than I thought, but still a pricey little peach, isn't it? Anyway, the couch looks pretty cool. Cooler than Courtney. I think Travis probably picked that out. Anyway, the point is, Courtney turns to the cameras and she says, I feel like she gets it from me, like this dislike of Tristan. And how on the first day of school, something happened where she told Penelope that she was triggered by Tristan but didn't know why. And the producer goes, well, you know why? And Courtney goes, well, right. I know why. But like, I just feel like we all kind of brush it off. And I was just like, so triggered that day. And I said, I just couldn't do it anymore. So then Courtney says, <clears throat> excuse me, that Tristan has made some obviously pretty horrible decisions and choices with Chloe. And there were times where she's been so triggered that she just can't be around him. 
And I'm like, are you saying you're triggered because of past cheating or you just like don't fuck with him? Do you understand what triggered means? I would like her to expand on that. I'm rocking with you. I just feel like she might just be saying words at this point that she might not fully understand. But anyway, so she just can't be around him sometimes. But then there are other times where she just lets it go because she's trying to have harmony and peace with the father of her niece and nephew. So then here comes Tristan. Big body Buffy with his titties out, no shirt on, waving to the cameras like a politician. Courtney's giving a tour of the house and he's walking around like a bad bitch. Like, just walking around. (laughs) He's so weird. (laughs) He's an exceptionally strange individual. Chloe says in a confessional that, listen, I may have come a long way with Tristan, but I don't expect forgiveness to carry over to my family. So if Penelope has got her feelings about Tristan, rightfully so and good for her i want penelope to have those feelings and i don't want to talk her out of them because i don't want her to interpret that as like i'm validating or justifying what tristan did to me i want penelope to know how she feels is correct now why don't you give that to yourself we can move on so now that courtney's been nice to him Tristan's really got a pep in his step and he's trying to plant the seed with her of like, and Chloe of, okay, well now that I've seen these houses, we could maybe do a house more like Chloe or excuse me, Kylie. Cause she's like more off the grid and private, or maybe we should do something like more Courtney or maybe something in between. What are you thinking for our house? How do you feel about that? And so Chloe's just kind of staring at him and she says, Right now, he's convinced we're going to do this house. And I'm not sure if he thinks that we're doing this as a couple or as like a co-op. We get to share the house, but we'll figure it out. Now, why would he not be clear on that, Closif? Why would he not know if you guys were doing this as a couple or not? Because you're... And why would you not, like, if that's how you think he might think, why wouldn't you cut that, nip that in the bud right then and there? You just want to wait it out? Does that sound healthy to you? why is he in palm springs anyway girl who's he staying with oh i thought you guys were so separate two two blocks away from each other now here we are in palm springs he's driving commandeering the golf cart with his titties out with all your kids in the backseat just giggling giggling because he won gotcha this is why you have to be careful ladies like this is why i don't let jacob ellardy around me because i've seen him And he's too charming. I've seen him in action and I don't like it. I'm not comfortable and I won't allow it. And I know some of you are saying, oh, Kara, is that the only reason why you and Jacob Ellardy aren't dating? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. Okay. Thank you. Then we watch uh, Cooking with Kim and North because Courtney's advice was taken by Kim. So they're doing like just a little bit of hangout. Kim. North (laughs) is doing a little prep work without Kim. She's like getting ready or whatever. So the cameras are talking to North and they ask her before Kim comes out of her room, can your mom cook? And she's like, uh, no. (laughs) So Kim makes fried chicken while North makes cucumber rolls. You could probably write a whole essay about that. North is cutting the cucumber and she's telling us that she's ambidextrous while she's chopping it. And Kim looks over and goes, oh, wow, we should call Auntie Kendall right now. So Kim says in a confessional that, you know, Courtney always says that North is my lesson on this planet. And a producer asks, what does that mean? 
And Kim says, well, she teaches me patience. She's actually taught me a lot about life. Girl, truer words have not been spoken. I, I mean, shout out to Anori's Black Book. Shout out to all the black women who, as soon as that girl was born, we were like, oh no, this is, we know exactly what's about to happen. And I love to see it. <laughs> I love to see it. North is absolutely Kim's karma, and it's the funniest thing. She does not give a fuck. And I love that for her. How did we all know that? How did we know that that was going to happen? And that little girl ended up being exactly the child that we knew her to be. We knew. We manifested Northwest. We all did it. And congratulations, y'all. We won. So basically, North takes a bite out of an apple or bite of an onion, like an apple, like skin on and all, right? Kim tries to make a joke like, oh, yeah, this is what she does, people. She just like eats vegetables like they're fruit. So North gets annoyed because she Kim just tried to call her out on camera. So she's like, oh, okay, I got one for your ass. Okay, so a producer asks North, what do you think about the work that your mom does? And North makes a face like, what does she do? <laughs> Full eyebrow up, what does she do? And so they explain to her, like, oh, the prison reform work, right? And and North is like, oh, yeah, that's good. That, that is good. She, she had to give that one up. Speaking of... Why do we have to talk about Chris taking the grandkids? No. I mean, they're having, like, a cute time. Uh, Chris does tell us that she asked all 12 of her grandchildren, and the only ones who ended up going are Stormy and True. And apparently this is right during spring break, so all of them were available. So maybe we should talk about that. However, um, Chloe basically follows them there, and they're having a good time with Chris until Chloe shows up, and then all of a sudden, Stormy and True are like, get us away from Lovey Girl. <laughs> and Stormy looks at Chloe like she actually wants sympathy for this. She goes, she made True look at the animals. <laughs> like, can you imagine? It's been terrible out here. <laughs> Y'all are at a farm, girl. <laughs> But anyway, then um, Kim and... God, I don't even want to talk about this. Because Malika pisses me off, okay? Malika does piss me off. Every episode she's on, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Kim explains to us that she's going to Pelican Bay prison. Because she's going to be, like, talking to people about prison reform and, and former prisoners about their sentence. And, you know, like, just how money that has gone into recidivism and keeping these people in jail could be going towards, you know, getting these people ready for the outside and rehabbing them, right? So Malika, she tells us, wants to go. She's been asking Kim about the work she does and she's been super curious. And then we get in the car and all of a sudden Malika gets nervous like she's going to get attacked in prison. And they're just like the optics of a white woman having to explain to a black woman that nothing's going to happen to her in prison. I just didn't like that, Malika. Don't do it again, okay? Fortunately, we it's like a very uplifting story. But here's the thing. This storyline was not for me. Not in the sense that I did not appreciate it. Kim absolutely needs to be getting this stuff on camera. She needs to be talking about her stance on prison reform her stance on people with violent crimes and how, like, I'm not just out here getting everybody out of jail and out of prison without, you know, a lot of research, but you can also look at um, somebody's rap sheet and look at somebody on paper, 
think they're much worse than they actually are. So there's like a balance that needs to be happening here. And how in the last five years that she's been working on prison reform, her compassion for people has really grown. What I'm saying is that this is not for me. I'm saying that this particular scene is for people who don't know this stuff. Like, I'm aware of this stuff. These are for, you know, this, this scene is for Ivanka. Her little bestie now that she's carting out all willy-nilly. If you guys didn't know this, Kim has been soft-launching Ivanka on Instagram back into the social life world. Social light world. And I don't like it. She posted pictures of her at her birthday party. Ivanka as, like, one of her guests at her, Kim's birthday party. And some other places. And I, I don't like it. I don't know what Kim's doing. I don't know what she's doing. This is just another act in prison reform because your girl's about to take the stand. Anyway, let's move on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Actually, I'm going to pause for a second because I actually might have hit on something that I'm going to think about later. Is this a quid pro quo thing because Ivanka got Kim into the White House to talk about prison reform and now that things are looking real bad for her daddy and her and her brothers and probably her husband and probably everybody in her inner circle. Maybe Kim's helping her but making her look better. Oh my god. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Whew. I'm going to take a shower after this. Let's head back to L.A. for the end of the episode where Chris and Chloe are filming a scene. Chris says that she's been trying to figure out as Chloe's manager, what Chloe's next chapter is for her career. And so they sit down and Chris tells her that I think you've got a voice. People want to hear you. I want to take advice from you and I'm older and blah, blah, blah. AKA, I want you to have a podcast. You can do it from your house. You can do it from Kylie's office. Like it'll be pretty easy. Now, Chloe first says her uh, concern is about the Kardashian name and besmirching it, I guess, by being like, well, what if I, I mean, she dead names Caitlyn in this scene, but I'm not going to. What if I dead name Caitlyn? You would know that it was innocent and I would know that that was an innocent mistake, but I could be annihilated for it. First of all, one, they could edit that out for you very easily. <laughs> Secondly, you have dead named Caitlyn not only just like four seconds ago, but multiple times earlier this season, or maybe it was last season. Um, it was last season when you guys were in Italy. You do it almost every season, and you don't think to edit it out of here. <laughs> There's a very simple 
Well, there are two very simple. Is like just figure it out. It's been years at this point, and if we can all use she/her pronouns and call Caitlin Caitlin, certainly you can at this point. Certainly you can as well. Secondly, just edit it out if that's what happens because it's a podcast. It's not live. Anyway, I actually don't need the competition, so. Because you know what? This was so frustrating. As a podcaster in the TV and film category, a lot of things, a lot of like people who actually discuss TV and film get pushed so back far in the rankings by people who were on TV and film, not necessarily discussing it. Like Vicki Gunvalson has that uh, podcast about insurance I think right but it's somehow in tv and film because she used to be a real housewife and then she gets like higher rankings than people it, it just doesn't make any sense like there needs to be a special category for people in tv and film and not just you're in the tv and film category because you used to be on tv and film you know and at this point people who were on the show who are now recapping the show need to have their own category too i don't want to be fighting in the charts with like writer strong or whoever <laughs> with, with the kevin from the office I, you know i don't want to have to do that get your own category sir podcasting is just a weird space like never in my life did i imagine that i would be competing in the charts against like Tori Spelling, Jenny Garth, and like Frankie Delgado from the Hills. It, I just didn't see that for myself. But here we are. It's not really a complaint. I just think they should have their own category. That's all. Anyway, back to Chloe and Chris. So Chloe says that like, Chris says, that she, I get the fear. I totally get that you're afraid of like, you know, whatever, your reputation or whatever. But fear is like fire. She must have gotten this from Tony Robbins or Jeff Bezos or Tommy Hilfiger or something. Fear's like fire. It can heat your home or it can burn your house down. You know, one or the other. Pick your choice, girl. And she tells Chloe, you need to just have the confidence to share your special gift, whatever that is. So Chloe says, listen, I'm sure I'm good at a lot of things, but I can't take something on totally new at this point because I don't have a team. So we find out that Chloe has no... Steph Shep, she has no assistant apparently, uh, no people on the business end that like take care of the fires of Good American or whatever. And that Chris will get you a deal and then she'll be like, peace out, I'm gonna go hang out with Corey and rub his thick thighs with with uh sun cream while we're on Tommy Hilfiger's yacht. See you later, girl. And then Chloe's left to pick up all the pieces. It's actually Chris's birthday while I um, record this and <laughs> just keep thinking about uh, Corey's ode to her via Instagram. And it's really nothing special. I've just, it just gave me the image. It invoked the image of like Corey waking Chris up on her birthday and like blasting some R&B, you know, like I'm thinking he's like in his silk two piece set. Just playing on the run to on the run to like lip syncing it while she's like trying to figure out how to get from out from under her martini hangover, you know. I hear sirens while we make love. Like you see it, right? 
I gotta go. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get you out of here, okay? Like you know that he he makes um he like insists that he has to do the Beyonce parts to uh, <laughs> to O three Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. Okay, so Chris is like, yeah. I get you, girl, but, like, I think you should do it. But Chloe's like, girl, you, like, truly, I'm trying to fix stuff. I don't have a middleman. I need to fix 20 other fucked up projects that I got going on. I can't put another one in my situation. You're not going to do it. Because if you could fix any of the things that were going on, it would be fixed right now. But it's not. And I think one of my issues with you is that there's really not a lot of follow through after something's done. And I'm like talking to you as my manager, not my mom. So when you're on vacations, you're on lunches, you're on a yacht for two weeks and you have an assistant that I'm calling and they'll say, oh, well, this, that and the other can't be done until we get a hold of your mom. And then I'm waiting for you and I'm getting pissed off waiting to fix these issues. And you can tell there's like mild fourth wall breaking happening here because Chloe's clearly talking to people behind the camera. And also Chris has that panic in her eye of like, oh, I wasn't thinking we were going to get this deep. I thought I was going to get you the sweet little contract and we were just going to keep pushing. I wasn't thinking you were going to talk about how I'm a really terrible manager on camera. Interesting. So Chris tells her that's really not fair. And it's really difficult for me to be in two places at the same time or six places at the same time with you girls, but they're going to build a team around you for the podcast. So don't worry about it. But Chloe's like, I don't even trust you saying that because no team has ever been built for me since I've been working for you. So then Chloe tells her, or she says in a confessional that when she tries to address Chris as her manager, not her mother, what she gets in response is her mama. Her mama guilt tripping her and making her feel bad about what she just said, which kind of blurs the lines from like personal and professional. So Chloe says, you know, I can call people outside of you because I or now like, tell me, sorry, she says, tell me who I can call outside of you because I can't think of anybody in terms of management. And I kind of feel like I have to do every job on my own. So if I take this podcast deal, I don't really have the faith that it's going to go as well as you're like acting like it's going to. And this is something that I always think about, Chris, is that when she and Robert got divorced, they did psychological tests or Robert ordered a psychological test on Chris. And the results came back that she had something called like Cinderella or like princess syndrome in which you always look on the bright side of life but like to a fault like every retelling of history even if it was like a nasty little thing it's like oh you know like let's say Kim and Chloe or Kim and Courtney got into like a knockdown drag out fight when they were in high school right and she tells it like oh you know the girls they would they've had their little scuffles but they loved each other like everything is just light and bright to make it seem like she's got the perfect life when it's very much not that and I think this is like Chloe having frustrations about Chris doing this when that's not the reality of the situation so then Chris just as Chloe predicted goes into mom guilt mode you're disappointed in my performance and I feel terrible about that And I think you just have a voice that people want to listen to, Chloe. So eventually, Chloe's like, I just don't think we're having the same conversation. And I'm not going to speak to this bullshit 
because I'm never heard and you're so patronizing and you're like, oh, everything's going to be okay, but I'm over it. And so Chris goes, you don't know what I'm saying, okay? You're somewhere else right now and you're just spiraling. <laughs> like You're being really crazy right now, Chloe. <laughs> so then Chris has to be like, okay, okay, okay. And Chloe's like, no, 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 you're not going to okay me right now. So then Chris says, well, I just don't want to put salt on the wound. Chloe goes, but who's going to take care of my wound? That is my question. So then Chris tells her that she's spiraling again and that it's not healthy. And Chloe goes, right, exactly. So let's just throw a podcast on top of it. How about that? (laughs) So then Chloe says, I just really don't know if you like truly understand what's going on in my life, but I'm not going to have any expectations. And when a producer says, well, what do you mean about not having expectations? Chloe says, every time I have them, people fall short. So I think it's just easier not to expect anything and just be grateful with what I get. Like maybe it's a defense mechanism. I have no idea, but it's just what serves me better. Which is dark, Chloe. That's really dark. So Chris tells her that her heart is in the right place. But hey, if you don't want to do the podcast, then don't do it. And then she says in a confessional, Chris, that she is just very solution based. So when she lets somebody down, she really wants to fix it and find a way to make Chloe happy. So Chris tells her, I want to do what's in your heart. And Chloe says, I don't really have a lot in my heart right now. Chris goes, okay. (laughs) Toof, stoof, dark sided stuff coming out of Chloe. We got to talk about it, y'all. We'll talk about it next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.